Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show, and one of our special episodes where it's just you and me. And I love doing these shows where we take some time to unpick a particular subject, and in this episode, I want to talk about morning routines. Okay, so morning routines, that's what we're going to be discussing in this episode, and I think this is an important one for us to revisit, not least because it's a subject you, my most excellent listeners, messaged me about quite a lot, but also because when I started the show in 2016, it's a while ago now, I was flailing somewhat. I did not have a grasp on my life, and I felt very much out of control and ill at ease. I was bobbing along on the sea of my life, if you like, not sure which direction I was going in, where I was headed, and dear listener, I had life nausea. (laughs) And that kind of showed up in lots of different ways, like I wasn't sure of my own mind, I had wild overreactions to things, I didn't stick to anything, I was constantly frustrated, I was always on the sort of internal setting of being on red alert. You get the picture. I was a very, very tangled mess of emotions. And I also didn't have or appear to have a single coping mechanism or not any that I used at least. And I started the podcast in part because I wanted to interview slash spend time with people who looked as though they had the secret to living life and living it well, sort of nailed or hidden like they knew it and they if I just asked them the right questions they'd tell me because that was something I had bought into I had bought into this idea that there was a secret that for some people life was just an easy ride without any friction with no challenges with no distress and if you just copied what they did if you just got on their level then you would enjoy that kind of life too and I also figured that if I spent more time around them that whatever magic dust they were using would eventually rub off on me. And as if by magic, life would stop feeling so, well, so difficult. Because that truthfully is where I was when I started this show nearly eight years ago. And this is relevant to morning routines, because once I realized that this wasn't the strategy I was hoping it would be, I started to do the work myself. And by work, because I know that that can have very many connotations and has sort of become overused, like do the work, but what it means in this context and what it meant to me was being accountable for my situation, which is something I hadn't faced up to or done previously. It's really confronting to realize that you're miserable and that no one has played a part in the depths that you've allowed yourself to go to other than you. Yes, there might have been a supporting cast of people who, and generally it has been my experience that when you are not doing that well, you tend to attract the wrong kind of people. I think think I've said enough, We'll, we'll sort of leave that there. But ultimately it comes down to you. And I also just want to say this, I'm not talking to you nearly eight years later, smugly announcing that I'm fixed. In fact, I think once you've experienced those kinds of thoughts and feelings and you've come face to face with your own worst enemy and it's you, I don't think that ever leaves you. I don't think you ever forget it. I think you're always aware of it. You're always not scared of it coming back, but you are aware that it has the potential to. And so you try quite hard for it not to. And in fact, Marvel fans will get this, but there's a scene in Avengers Assemble, an absolute masterpiece, when Captain America turns to Bruce Banner, um, 
the city of New York is being overrun by the Chitauri. Um, it, it, everything's a mess. And he turns to Bruce Banner, Dr. Bruce Banner, and says, now might be a good time for you to get angry. And Bruce slash the Hulk turns to him and says, that's my secret cap. I'm always angry. And it's not that I'm always angry. It's not that I'm always depressed, but that darkness never fully leaves you. You do learn to keep it at bay, but a little bit like the Hulk, it can come out again. So you have to have your practices and habits in place. And by keeping it at bay, it does mean exactly as I'm saying, those putting in great habits into practice, or at least that is definitely what my recovery looked like. That was my personal experience. Having these coping mechanisms, these strategies, these things that I did, like my morning routine, really helped me feel as though I wasn't being beaten by that type of thinking. And I realise now, and I hasten to add once again, that eight years later, that I was so zoomed in on everything I think that was one of, that's one of the things that it, it's so hard because on the one hand, you don't want to revisit those feelings. You don't ever want to go back. But on the other hand, you, in discussing them sometimes, you have to go to a place where you remember how horrible it was to feel that way. And if I want to describe the way that I functioned back then in 2016, in the early days of the podcast... I was very zoomed in on everything. Everything that happened, it would be in front of me and it would be a big deal until the next thing was right in front of me. I couldn't see how the choices I made and was making were adding up and equaling misery because I didn't see them all in a line. I wasn't, I had such tunnel vision. I was so focused on things that were in front of me or... uh, on the, on the thing that was making the most noise, I guess, or the thing that I was so tuned to be panicked that if something caused me to panic, then I'd look at that and not see everything else. Does that make any sense? I swore that I wouldn't say that at the end of sentences in 2023. Does that make sense? Because I don't think it's a helpful thing. And I, I actually think only women say it, but there's another thing. But, but my morning routine was a way for me to be able to start taking a step back and then another step back and then another step back to have a more zoomed out perspective on my life and what I was doing. And it was really, really helpful. And in actual fact, it's one of the reasons I started this series 26 Habits, where in 2018, I'd either make or break a habit every two weeks. I know that's how a lot of you found the show. Um, It was shared on the pool, which no longer exists, but every Monday it would go live on the pool and you'd be able to follow along if you wanted to, or at least see what I was discovering along the way. And it allowed me to try out new habits, new processes, and try things I would never have done on my own, because doing them with you, my most excellent listeners, meant that I was accountable to somebody other than myself. And at that point, I was not great at being accountable to myself. I would give up. I would let myself down before I'd let you down. And one of those habits that I tried in 2018 was early mornings. And I know that a lot of you did that habit along with me back in 2018, but it was truly, truly transformative. And in 2022, when I did the habit series again, I did another round of early mornings. In 2022, I tried to join the 5am club. If anyone has listened to that book on on Audible, it is... (laughs) I don't even know how to describe it. There are lots of characters in that book and the voices that the um, narrators decide to use just 
it's questionable. I'm just going to say that. But in 2022, I decided to join the 5am club. I was like, come on, let's see what this is all about. And I did it, I think in either June or July. So I was doing it in a month where there were early sunrises. So it was, it was sort of easier than, I made it very easy on myself, put it that way. But back in 2018, I actually think I set my alarm for 6am. 5am really didn't vibe for me, but 6am has proven to be a real sweet spot. That has proven to be a time that I can really work with. But again, it did not happen overnight because when I first started, I genuinely didn't know what to do with myself at 6am. Every fiber of my being was pulling me back, telling me to get back into bed where it's nice and warm and cozy and wouldn't it be great to stay there? (laughs) And I suppose that's when another one of my healthy habits came into play and became embedded. And that's making the bed because you can't lie in if you are, if the bed is made, you can't, it's just a stupid idea just to make the bed and then unmake it and get back into it. And now I know people call this habit stacking and it's got various names, but it's just a series of things that you do in a certain order to make life easier. In my opinion, you can call them a habit. You can just say it's things that you do. It just, however you want to describe it, we don't have to make this harder than it needs to be. And so what I do is the alarm goes off at 6am. My alarm is not in my bedroom. So in order to turn it off, I have to get up and out of bed, which is a crucial, crucial element. And I turn the alarm off, go back into the room, throw open the curtains, and then I make the bed. And the reason I won't get back into bed is because I have such a complicated arrangement of pillows. And listeners, each one is vital to my comfort. (laughs) So everyone is very important. So it actually takes me a hot minute to make the bed and to get the formation just right. And I'm certainly not about to mess it up to get back into bed. No, sorry, Bob. No, 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 no. Once made, that bed isn't being disturbed until I'm getting ready to go to sleep. Trust and believe. So once the bed is made, I head into the kitchen. I slip an NMN lozenge under my tongue and I make an espresso. And I might look at TikTok because I'm a garbage human and I'll see what messages I've received on Instagram overnight and I'll look at my emails and then I will drink my coffee and I will meditate. Now, someone might say, why are you having coffee before you meditate? But hear me out. Years ago, and I forget who it was who said this, it was definitely somebody on a podcast, but I forget which podcast, talked about, now I always get this wrong, Nappuccino, which is apparently it takes caffeine about 18 to 20 minutes to get into your bloodstream, something like that for you to feel the effects of caffeine. And so actually in sort of Silicon Valley, those places where everyone's trying to optimize their productivity, what they would do is in the afternoon have a nap, but before they had a nap, take an espresso and then they would set their alarms for something like 18 minutes. And then you would have a very functional sort of uh, winding down of the body into a sleep state. But then as your alarm was going off, that caffeine would be hitting your bloodstream. And then as you woke up, you wouldn't get that sort of foggy lag feeling that you sometimes get with um, napping. I mean, I love a nap, but I can, <laughs> I, I can be grumpy. And my goodness, when I wake from a nap, that can be when I can be at my grumpiest, trust trust me. I can be very, 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 very grumpy after a nap, especially if I haven't felt that it was a satisfactory nap. But again, that's a whole other episode. So actually, I have my espresso before my meditation because when you're meditating, you, you calm down, like your blood pressure does drop, your pulse, your heart rate drops. And 
I sometimes when I do my afternoon meditations, I can feel that fogginess. Sometimes if it's just been a busy day and I do my afternoon meditation, I can sort of take a minute to like have to slap myself around a bit. And part and I don't have a coffee beforehand because I don't want to have coffee that late in the day. And so doing it that way around means that I kind of feel like I come out of the meditation and then I get the benefits of the caffeine and that's when I kind of bounce onto my next thing. But we will come onto that in a second. And this, because this is a really important habit, meditating, this is another one that took quite a while to take because back in 2016, I was trying things like Headspace and I was following YouTube meditations and various other apps and methods. But when it came down to it, the way that I really embedded meditation into my life and it became a part of who I am and what I do was by doing a course. And the one I did was at the London Meditation Centre with Gillian Lavender. And it was a really profound experience. And I know I've talked about it on the podcast before, but it was, was it three days or four days? No, I've forgotten. I think it was three days. Hmm, now I'm saying that, I am wondering whether it was four. Anyway, it was a few days and I experienced such fatigue during the course that getting even getting into London to go to the course felt like a Herculean effort and I would fidget and I would again the grumpiness was coming out of me and apparently that's very very common when you learn to meditate because it's kind of um that meditation going that deep kind of uh releases a lot of the tiredness that you're holding on to weirdly but anyway I was very 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 tired during that um, but it was, it was hugely profound and I have uh, maintained maintained that habit and I benefit from it 18 months later. There are times when I struggle with the afternoon meditation because life just gets in the way. When I travelled, when I was in LA earlier this year, I found it quite difficult to do the afternoon meditations. And if I'm doing a day of appointments in London, I've never factored in uh, my 3pm meditation because there's just too much going on it's just kind of bonkers to try and fit it in but I must get better at that I tend to meditate on trains a lot because my train journey is usually around half an hour which is perfect so actually if I'm not doing stuff on social media I will try and do my meditation on a train it's quite good to do meditation when there's a just when there are potential distractions I think it actually makes the meditation more powerful but again that's probably uh, something that we could explore in another episode so if 2016 Emma would wake up and immediately feel aggravated, lost and listless, 2023 Emma wakes up and knows exactly what the first 30 minutes of her day is going to look like and that those simple actions of getting out of bed, opening the curtains, making the bed, having a supplement, making a coffee and meditating will make her feel good. And listeners, I promise that's the last time I will talk in the third person. And it sounds really simplistic, but I can honestly say that having a purpose and a process that I can now do on autopilot, and when I mean autopilot, I really do mean autopilot because a lot of the time I'm sort of staggering through this when I'm half asleep. Sometimes I'm staggering half asleep with a sleep mask sort of half on, barely able to see, but I can still do a lot of this in that state because it is now so embedded. And it would be so tempting to snooze my alarm because I am half asleep, but I don't because I know how good this makes me feel. And none of this is exclusive to me. I have to credit a lot of people for putting this information in front of me and making it seem possible. And I think chief among them is Tim Ferriss. Eight years ago, I was plugged into his podcast religiously and I found them to be a real balm. I think I've said before, 
when I wasn't plugged into his podcast, my brain was sort of my my mental chatter was kind of kicking me when I was down. And when I was plugged into his podcast, I thought anything was possible. So it was, it was just, it was really helpful to have that kind of noise in my head, in my space, because without it, um, everything was very, very negative at that particular time. And he was coaching his listeners towards making sense of the world and making life easier, or rather to stop making life harder than it needed to be which I was very good at. And I found his perspective invaluable. And actually he did an episode of Rich Roll's podcast recently and it was really refreshing because I'd kind of tuned out of some of his content because I'd, I'd begun to find it quite inaccessible. And I was like, oh, that's a shame because I felt like we were really, felt like we were really the same. And then I thought, oh no, we're absolutely not at all. And he did a really brilliant and very honest interview recently with Rich Roll. And I was really pleased to hear it because... Um, it sounded again it's that thing of I think sometimes we can make these sorts of habits this kind of trying to make life easier we can overcomplicate it and I think it was really wonderful to hear him say actually he might have overcomplicated things and sometimes going back to like being humble going back to the beginning and going back into that beginner mindset is where you make the real progress again and if you are kind of the poster boy or poster person for self-care or four-hour work week or just kind of like optimization to actually sit and say yeah do you know what I've had to go back to the beginning again because it's not it's not a guaranteed success I thought was really wonderful that he did that because I think that would be helpful to so so many people so if you haven't listened to Tim before and I'm sure you would have because he's got one of the best most downloaded podcasts of all time but if you haven't then I highly recommend you give his show a try because he has an extensive back catalogue and his conversations are always incredibly interesting and I found so many helpful like the two standouts for me Arnold Schwarzenegger and Triple H. I loved those episodes. Also, Robert Rodriguez, the director, just just seeing the world through their eyes was just so invaluable and I found just also wildly entertaining. But let's bring it back to morning routines and how can you make a morning routine work for you? Well, I guess that depends where you find yourself as you're listening to this episode. Like when you wake up in the morning, how do you feel? Are you like, oh no, not this again? Are you snoozing the alarm and then you're putting so much pressure on those first sort of 30 to 60 minutes of your day that you're flying by the seat of your pants? Like, how does your morning feel? Does it feel like a relentless sort of hamster wheel of same old, same old, and you're just trying to rush through it and it's never easy? Or is there room within that to find some space and to, and to make it feel a bit better? But if you are a fly by the seat of your pants person then crack on. If that works for you and you don't feel bad as a result, or you don't feel as though you're starting the day off in the wrong way, then crack on. If that works for you, then more power to you. And I support you in that choice. I just always imagine it being like uh, the protagonist in a 90s sort of rom-com where they're sort of running out of the house, the coat's half on, they're toasters jumping out of the toaster and they're sort of uh, holding it and sort of like juggling it from one hand to the other as they're running out the door and saying hello to their neighbor who seems a bit grumpy but by the end of the film you realize is like a really nice person it's that kind of thing if that's the vibe that you work with great that does not work for me um my days uh, used to feel quite chaotic so if your days start off feeling chaotic and you never feel as though you really recover then it might be worth thinking about a series of habits that start off your day so that in place of chaos, you have calm. 
Now, as you know, I like to work out in the morning after my previously mentioned stack of habits. And on mornings when I'm headed out of the door or I'm on a rest day or I'm filming, I still can sometimes feel the wobble of this feels like I've got too much freedom. But again, I've learned to lean into that, to slow my pace down a bit and not to focus on what I'm not doing or think I should be doing, because there'll always be a part of my brain that's telling me off for not doing something that I think I should be doing. And in the case of exercise or like um, meditation or any of those things, which obviously I do, even if I'm the meditation I do, regardless of whether I'm exercising or not, um, I can sometimes as I've said before, make things a little harder than they need to be and sort of chastise myself for something, for an infringement that I actually haven't made. So I lean into it. I enjoy the rest and the break I get because I know that tomorrow there's going to be a tough workout waiting for me. And spoiler alert, I genuinely can't wait. I'm so excited. Like I'm recording this podcast and tomorrow I have a rest morning. And that's great. I'm really looking forward to having a slower pace to, I don't know, just using that time to, I don't know, choose an outfit. (laughs) Whereas normally I kind of put my clothes out the night before, just kind of just take it a bit easy, dry my hair, blow dry my hair, that kind of thing. As opposed, but then I know that the next day after that, I've already decided what workout I'm going to do. So it's, it's that kind of thing. It's that kind of preparation, which I find really helpful. Um, find those habits, whether it's making a coffee, a matcha, doing some yoga or breath work, laying out your clothes for the day, writing down a to-do list and try it every day for two weeks and see how it goes. And I say two weeks, I know, I think the, there are so many different stats about how to make a habit, but I think it's 21 days is the sort of the average or the one that corrupts up the most. But honestly, I think two weeks by, by the time you get to day 14, you know, whether you're going to stick to that habit or not. And so I would say, just try something for two weeks and see how it goes. Start with that one thing you know you'll stick to. Do that for a while and then stack on another habit as you get comfortable. And those actions begin to feel like second nature. Don't try and do a whole string of habits. Don't think, right, 6 a.m. wake up, 6.03 coffee, 6.07 meditation. It won't work like that. Find a rhythm and start with one thing get comfortable with that, then add something else on top. Don't overdo it. And because it requires so little brain space for me on those mornings, when I'm going from bed to curtains, to bed, to coffee machine, to supplements, to meditation, to workout, because I don't have to think too much, because I know how it looks and how it feels now, because I've been doing it for years, my mind is focused on what lies ahead, whether that's a day of appointments, podcasting or filming. And I'm already using my brain in a positive way for the tasks ahead of me, as well as obviously what I'm doing in the moment. But I find it really useful for kind of getting me ready for the day, mentally preparing me for the day. An early morning though, does not come easy if you aren't getting enough sleep. And that means an early bedtime. And I can honestly say that adjusting your sleeping schedule is really, really hard. And getting to sleep earlier than you're used to can be as difficult and as jarring as waking up earlier than you're used to. And yeah, 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 everyone talks about winding down, putting the phone in another room, dimming the lights, etc. But what works for me, honestly, is putting on a sleep mask, turning off all the lights and putting a podcast on timer so I drift off as something familiar quietly lulls me to sleep in the background. Find the thing that works for you because what a lot of this can become 
and what makes me clench my jaw when I see it on social media is all of those habits that kind of sound the same as what I'm saying, but are presented in a way that's really performative. How you live your life doesn't need to be aesthetically pleasing. You should see the state of me during my morning routine. I was about to say, I'm not putting that on social, but that would be a lie because you've seen me without makeup and in my gym jams on IG stories more than once, let's face it. I don't like candles, I don't put on music, I don't drink out of expensive mugs or cups or have fancy artisanal spoons and goodness knows what else. There's none of that. And I encourage you, if you are thinking about creating a routine in the morning, to not worry one bit about what it looks like. Just tune into how it feels. Does it make you feel less stressed while also making you feel more confident and capable for the day ahead? That's what you're looking for. That's what will feel incredible, not just today, but tomorrow and for many, many days to come. Now, obviously, I can't talk about my mornings without referencing my workouts. They are so important to me for a number of reasons, but not perhaps the reason that you might think. Now, obviously, I have worked hard over the last few years to lose weight and to maintain that weight loss. And this year, I lost another stone because I wanted to get leaner and to get stronger. And the workouts do help with that, but in the main, it's about nutrition. But that's a whole other episode. In fact, that's a whole other episode that you've probably already heard, but I'm sure there will be more that will come. But what I find the workouts do for me is they make me feel mentally, physically, and emotionally capable and powerful. I set myself a goal to complete a challenging workout, which I do in my living room without anything fancy. I've got dumbbells and kettlebells, not loads, but a few ones that challenge me. And when it's done, I can, I can tick it off. I can tick off usually before 8am that I've completed something difficult, something challenging. And that's a great headspace with which to then go and tackle the day. I love that feeling. I actually find it to be incredibly empowering to start the day strong. And that combination of the first 30 to 40 minutes where I give my mind some space with the bed making and meditation, followed by getting my heart rate up and lifting weights is something I've discovered over time really works for me. It didn't happen overnight. It took time, years, but I found a way that works for me. It's not copied from someone's Instagram feed or lifted from a self-help forum. I haven't followed what someone else has done. It has taken time because it's my own. It's something that came with trial and error. There are things I tried that I didn't stick with. There are things that I tried that I loved. There are things that I put into a slightly different order, but it's mine and that's why it works. And I think we all benefit from prompts, from listening to people, to seeing what works for someone else. But ultimately, when it comes to what works for us, only we can tell. Only you can tell what's achievable and what can be maintained. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break here and then when we come back, we're going to take a look at some practical steps you can take to maximise your mornings. Okay, so let's get practical. It's time to talk about what you can really, really do to maximise your mornings. And we know that a good morning really can set you up for an incredible day. And more than that, if you create a morning routine, you can minimise the friction at the start of your day. You know what I mean, whereby if you have a wobbly start to the day, then it can feel as though you never recover. Well, having this smooth, frictionless start to your day can minimise and even eliminate that. And I know I've had <laughs> had those days where it's been like, I'm having one of those mornings and you get to lunchtime and it seems as though you've just experienced a catalogue of mistakes or issues and you think, 
by the time you come to think about lunch, you start to wonder why you even stayed up, why you didn't just go back to bed. And a lot of that, it has to be said, is attitude. If you start off on the wrong foot, it can be really, really hard to get back on the good one. And so a morning routine can mean that you never get wrong-footed by one of those mornings that just seem to seems to spiral and make the day a complete mess, <laughs> which looks, let's face it, we've all been there. So what follows are some proven morning habits that can really help with maximizing your mornings and therefore your day. Some of these I practice, some I don't. But what I like to think is that you can cherry pick from this list and concoct your perfect morning routine from this and maybe from some other bits and bobs, but we'll come to that in a bit. So the first thing that I like to do, which honestly really does help and it's such a small thing, is the night before I choose my clothes for the next day. It's as simple as that. For me, this is the ultimate in minimizing that what I like to call a time suck that getting dressed can be in the morning. And you'll know what I mean by time suck if you've ever thought, yeah, I kind of know what I'm wearing. And then you put on trousers with the top and then you're like, no, and then you change the top and then you like the top, but you decide that you need to change the jeans or the trousers. And it just is a time suck. I understand why people like Mark Zuckerberg have spoken about wearing the same thing every day in order to make life easier, make mornings more efficient and also use that brain space that you would use to choose an outfit on something much more important and more pressing. And actually, when I was going through my hyper productive phase or trying to at least be performatively hyper productive, I went through a phase of just doing things like jeans, a boot, well, both two boots, jeans, boots, a blazer, and either a white or a black t-shirt. And while there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, and it was, it did make things much more efficient. It was like, is today a black t-shirt or a white t-shirt day? There was a very, there was a very minimal amount of brain space required in order to be able to get dressed, which was great. But just for me in the long term, it wasn't a good fit. So before I go to bed, I think about what's in the diary for the next day. And if I have appointments or events, then I plan my outfit accordingly. I'm freelance, so every day is different. It's not like I go into an office every single day. Although when I did go into an office every single day, I used to probably rotate the same five to seven outfits. So I could have applied it then. I just didn't really know about it back when I used to work in an office. Um, so it's not really applicable, but you could you could do it that way if you do go into an office. So for example, I do have a fairly limited wardrobe. Some would call it capsule. I just think I just like a lot of the same thing. And so I've bought a lot of the same thing. There isn't a ton of variety within my wardrobe, but that doesn't mean it doesn't require a little bit of a run up uh, to get dressed just to plan an outfit. It's even stuff like if I wear those trousers, I'll need that underwear or checking that the weather app or checking the weather app to see whether what I want to wear will be compatible with the weather. It takes no time but it's a much more efficient use of time the night before than it is on the day of. So eventually I would like to have a separate wardrobe rail, just a freestanding rail, maybe on wheels so I can take it around. I don't know why I want it on wheels. I think I've seen it on Instagram probably, where I hang my next day's outfit and my gym gear. And that way it's just, it's already done for me. I've done all the thinking. I'm just going to grab that off the rack and it feels really efficient. And I come home, that stuff goes in the laundry. If it needs laundry, it's back in the wardrobe. And then the next day's outfit goes on. That to me feels like, honestly, feels like luxury. feels like the kind of thing that inordinately rich people do and is something I would like to do as well. I'm sure it's not. It's just, just something I've probably seen in a television program. It's a little bit like, um, 
the wardrobe from Clueless Cher Horowitz. It's that, but a little bit more practical. Um, it's also worth saying that a good tip here is to get all your laundry done. And I mean dried, pressed, hung up, etc., folded in the wardrobe, in the drawer, wherever. By the end of the weekend, if you're pulling from a fully stocked wardrobe, you're not wondering what's clean, what's dirty, what's in the laundry basket, why you can't find this thing. I'm sure you, you were sure that you hung it here. Honestly, one of my feel-good feelings at the end of the weekend is having everything back in the wardrobe, everything back and folded nicely in whatever drawer it lives in where I have no dryer up drying any laundry and the laundry basket is completely empty. That to me is efficiency at its best. So yes, it starts with choosing your outfit the night before, but it also is just kind of like staying on top of your laundry so that you're never pulling from the laundry basket because we've all done it and um, it's nicer not to have to. (laughs) The second thing might seem like a really random thing for a morning routine, but it's pillows, bedclothes and generally bedtime comfort and this one as I said might seem a little far removed from efficiency but bear with me because what we're really trying to achieve here is a great morning and one of the other ways one can wake up like a Disney princess with a song in our hearts and bluebirds fluttering at our windows desperate to get on our fingers I'm joking is by being well rested and I have learned that great pillows and great bedclothes make all the difference And I'm not proud of this, but there used to be a time in my life when changing my bed used to be the the chore I hated the most. I'm thinking mainly about my student years. I really, really hated it. But there would be times as a student when I would sleep on a completely unmade bed under a completely unmade duvet, just a mattress and a duvet in pillows, no covers. It makes me want to vom now, but because it's so rank. But there comes a time in everyone's life, I think, I hope, when you just won't ever do that again. So, hey, you have to learn from your mistakes, don't you? So with pillows, I have a very specific pillow formation. (laughs) And actually, I don't need many of my pillows. A lot of them are for uh, how my bed looks in the daytime when they're all sort of plumped up and nicely organized. But when it comes to my sleep, I sleep with a maternity pillow. So that's a V-shaped. It's not less of the sort of sausage maternity pillows and more of like the breastfeeding one. So it's V-shaped. And I adore it. And recently I added a groove pillow into the mix. Now the groove pillow is a game changer. I've only been using it for a couple of months, but one of the reasons I chose it is because it's supposed to alleviate neck tension and reduce migraines. And as a migraine sufferer, I am always looking for something that will help with headaches. And I haven't had a migraine since I started using it. I try to fall asleep on my groove pillow while sleeping on my back. But I tend to be a fidgeter and I inevitably uh, uh, end up on my side, usually, not all the time. But that's where having that V-shaped pillow really, really helps because I can sort of pull it in and hug it so that I'm still supported. And I honestly have, like I said, I haven't had a migraine since I started using the groove pillow. I really look forward to sort of plumping the pillows at night, getting into bed and sort of lying on my back getting into that little nook the the groove and the groove pillow and that really sort of makes me think right okay it's bedtime now I'm gonna I'm gonna try and go to sleep it's really really wonderful so it's a strong recommend from me and as for bed sheets I know that people have talked about Egyptian cotton various hundreds and thousands of counts and I know this is really bougie but since I discovered Mila M-E-L-A who have actually since rebranded as Ayla A-E-Y-L-A which is a, a brand of silk bed sheets. I genuinely haven't looked back. They are 
the most luxurious things to sleep under that I have ever encountered. They're cool in the summer and warm in the winter and I am obsessed, absolutely obsessed. And the point here is that if your bed is set up to be comfortable and give you the best chance of a good night's sleep, then your chances are you're going to wake up feeling that much brighter, lighter, motivated, chirpy, all of those things. So give that a go. They're, they're two strong recommends from me. The third thing I wanted to talk about was journaling. And truth be told, this one didn't chime for me. I couldn't get into my groove with journaling. But people like Tim Ferriss, Arianna Huffington, Richard Branson are all said to use this technique and find it extremely useful. And there's, there's tons of evidence to suggest that journaling about our thoughts and feelings can reduce the number of sick days taken off work and generally just make you feel better, more centered. It's a bit like therapy without the therapist is what I keep sort of coming across when people talk about it. There are two ways you can approach it. There's this sort of expressive writing, which focuses on your feelings, or there is gratitude journaling when you write about the positive things in your life. You take a moment to think about the things that you maybe wouldn't stop to appreciate normally. And actually, when I was recovering from breast reduction surgery a few years ago, I had the five minute journal. And I don't really, I don't really buy into the sort of the, hey, buy this journal and everything will be okay. But at that particular point, I was somewhat immobilized or moving around tentatively, I should say. And I, um, decided to fill it out every morning and I thought well I'm I'm in a real healing process so I you know I would be grateful for the fact that the surgery had gone well I'd be grateful for the fact that my healing seemed to be going well and actually I did quite like the process during that time during those six weeks I did find it quite quite helpful and it is it's proven to reduce anxiety to minimize obsessive thoughts to improve perception and awareness to help regulate emotions and there are some indications it can improve physical health but I think the most important thing is how do you journal? I mean, people talk about it all the time. But again, it's one of those things that shows up on social media channels. And people say, I'm just about to do my journal. And they might show themselves lighting a candle or, or brewing some tea. But you don't actually see the technique that they're using. And that, I think, is the most important thing. So there's the technique where you wake up, you open a notebook, and you write three, three pages with no real... It's a stream of consciousness. You're not really thinking about it. There's almost a slight disconnect between the act of writing and what you're writing and it helps you realise what's front of mind and taking up mental and emotional real estate. And you could always find a journaling notebook full of prompts if that's more your speed. I definitely think that's something that I was able to stick with for a short time. Some people write positive affirmations or they write a letter to somebody they never intend to send or they make a note of three things they intend to do that day that have nothing to do with their actual to-do list. So it might be an act of kindness. It might be, I don't know, anything like that it just isn't related to work or something that you have to do. And if you're looking for further reading about this, I really do highly recommend taking a look at Tim Ferriss's advice. He's talked about journaling a lot and how transformative it was for him. And also following Julia Cameron's The Morning Pages. She's been on the show before and her morning page, I think actually Tim follows the, the morning pages and that is the three pages of writing the stream of consciousness. People who do it, people who journal are either, either say they didn't get on with it or they say it changed their lives. It's one or the other. So give it a go. All in all, the benefit I see of journaling is dumping all of your thoughts in one place in a fashion that's somewhat organized so they aren't creating buzz and static in your mind as you get on with your day. That seems to be what you really get out of it. And that's what I get from my next habit, number four, which is meditation. 
I am a big fan of meditating, but truthfully, it isn't something that came to me particularly easily. And in the end, the way that I was able to make it stick was to do a course, a four-day course at the London Meditation Centre. And I had used apps, I had used followed YouTube videos and all sorts of techniques, but actually doing that course and really understanding what I was doing, how to do it properly, why it worked, what I was doing it for, was incredibly useful in really embedding this for me into who I am. So I wake up every morning and it's pretty much the first thing I do. I get up, I go and get my uh, phone, which is my alarm on it from the other room. I go into the living room, I sit down. No, I don't. I make my coffee, I have my sublingual NMN and I sit down and I do my meditation. That's pretty much how my day goes. And I find that 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 is so automatic now, I don't even think about it. I'm sure I could do it all with my eyes closed, although I don't because that coffee is hot. (laughs) The benefits for me are that it calms my mind. I have quite a busy mind and a fertile imagination. So this gives me a sort of almost like a pause button on my brain that makes me feel much more calm and much more centered. And I suppose that having that pause, which is still very much active in that it's something... I intend to do and make the effort to do it stops me from rushing into the day all guns blazing because even sometimes when I'm meditating I will find myself having quite panicked thoughts having quite I've got to do that I've got to do this and I can get quite um overstimulated by my own thoughts about what I should do and how the best time to start it was five minutes ago and I'm already behind and I can definitely that that's almost like my default And I have found that I finish my meditation with a much more methodical and pragmatic approach as opposed to that default approach, which can be fueled by panic and lead me into really rushing, to be honest, which when I rush, I tend to fall over or hit a wall or something. So that's not great. My fifth morning activity that I would suggest is exercise. And this doesn't have to look like hardcore gym sessions, but it's just a way for you to move your body, to wake up your mind as much as to train your body in fact so that you'll and it's something that you have to love doing so that you'll stick to it so for some people it's walking around the block within the first hour of waking up for others like me it's following a strength training session on youtube for others it's a spin class uh, whether that's in the comfort of your own home or whether you go to a gym it's going to a gym whatever it might be my mind as I've already said is very busy when I wake up my thoughts come in thick and fast and it's very easy to Again, not believe, I have to teach myself regularly, reteach myself regularly, don't believe everything you think, because if I did, I would be in a state of panic at all times. So I find that um, my very busy mind, as much as meditating calms me down, working out focuses me and connects my brain to my body, which means that I get out of my head, which is a really valuable space for me. More than that, though, while it doesn't really matter what time of day you work out, the early exerciser, it's proven, is likely to have better and more stable energy levels throughout the day, improve focus and cognition throughout the day, a better mood throughout the day, and it's likely to foster a better quality of sleep. So for me, getting up, meditating and then moving has become a reflex. It's a habit. I don't even think about it. But that genuinely hasn't happened overnight. So if you're listening to this thinking, yeah, right, Em, it's not going to happen, just think that I'm coming at it from a place of having quite a lot of time under my belt, if you like. And so it's I, I, I can't think about it being difficult because it has become so easy. But I acknowledge that at times in the past, this lovely morning process that I'm talking about has been really difficult and hasn't come smoothly. But it has just taken persistence and consistency to make it 
so that every day I do it. And so if you're at the beginning point, my my strongest recommendation for you is just to do a version of it every day for a month just starting off really, really slow. You don't have to build up all of these things until you can do one at a time. And then once that becomes a bit of a habit, add another one in. And you'll probably find that after a little while, you'll start doing it all without thinking. Okay, number six. This is the only time during this episode I'm going to sound stern because I'm going to say, do not, and I repeat, do not hit your snooze button. I can tell you this from personal experience that the snooze button is a bad and evil thing. It is for me and if you are struggling with productivity or you find that your energy levels throughout the day are not fantastic, then I urge you to look at your behavior with your snooze button. If when you are woken up by your alarm, you feel groggy, hit the snooze button and fall back to sleep, you're going to feel woolly in your head for ages. I certainly do. So the way I try to overcome this is I keep my alarm in the other room so I have to physically get up and out of bed to turn it off and then I resist the urge to take it back to bed with me because usually I will have turned the alarm off and made the bed and I don't want to have to unmake it I've told you about that pillow formation it does take a minute or two to put it all back together neatly so to tear it all down is just just, I'm not going to do it so don't just just try and make it so that you don't go back to bed and what that leads to if you do hit the snooze button And if you do fall back to sleep, it's actually fragmented sleep. And that kind of sleep actually makes you feel more tired and can have a really negative knock-on effect throughout the day that can affect your attention span, your mood and your cognitive ability. And this really hit home for me recently. And I always knew that snoozing the alarm wasn't great, but I decided to change up how I was using my alarm. And it wasn't even because I was misusing my snooze alarm. It was because my weekday alarm is 6 a.m., So every weekday, my alarm goes off at 6am. And for the last couple of years, I would say that my, yeah, I would say it's the last couple of years, my weekend alarm has been 7am. So at 6am on a weekday, my alarm goes off at 7am on a weekend. And I thought I was being really smart. I thought it was really, really clever to be doing it that way. It's like you've got, you've given yourself an hour on the weekends. But a few months ago, I actually decided to turn off my weekend alarms. I just thought, I wonder what will happen if I turned off my weekend alarms because I'm usually waking up around six anyway. So, hmm. And what happens is that I tend to wake up at the same time as I do during the week. So I wake up at six, but I have a much slower start to my day. And that almost feels like a holiday. So instead of going back to sleep, I just ease my way into the day a bit more than I'm able to manage or have the time to do during the week. And it's probably the smallest week I've made recently, but it's had the biggest and most positive impact because I wake up and I think, 6am oh it's the weekend okay (sighs) and then I might think do you know what I'm going to watch an episode of television in bed or I'm going to listen to that podcast or I'm going to go and sit and stare out the window while I have my coffee before I do my meditation I feel like I buy that time but the time that I the time that I feel like I gain from waking up still that I know it's a weekend and you think oh just go back to bed go go and get your sleep in but there's something very relaxing and restorative about the sort of slow, sweet, calm activities that you can fit in quite early on a, on a Saturday and Sunday morning when it's really quiet. It is the smallest week I've made, but I think it's had the most, um, I think it's had the biggest and most positive impact personally. So I, if you are somebody who 
is a slave to your alarm or your snooze button, then that would be a strong recommendation for me. And then seven, this is my final tip, but we'll come on to a few other strategies in a sec, but um, take 10 minutes on a Sunday to prep the week ahead. It's only 10 minutes. And this is so, so simple, but I sit down sometime after lunch and before dinner on a Sunday and I open up my computer and I full screen my diary and I have a look at the seven days ahead and I don't act on anything. I just make a mental note. I go through every single day. I look at Monday, look at everything that I've got on a Monday, look at Tuesday, look at everything I've got on Tuesday, etc. And I don't do anything. I just make mental notes of the type of days I have ahead of me. So it's like, oh, this week's quite top heavy because I've got a lot of meetings at the beginning of the week or this week's quite office based because I've got three podcast days or any of those things. And it just helps me know what gear mentally I need to be in when I wake up the next morning. But seeing the deadlines that I have, seeing who I'm meeting, seeing what's in front of me just means there are no surprises on a Monday morning. And again, I don't default into that sort of panic of, oh, am I prepared for this? Because if I have a look, inevitably, if I think, oh, actually, I've got those meetings ahead or I'm seeing so-and-so, I will probably, without having to make it something really rigid on my to-do list, I'll think, oh, I'll just see what they're up to on Instagram or I'll read their latest article or I'll see what their latest brand news is or I'll do a quick Google search of their business if I'm seeing somebody about business opportunity. So all of those little things that just sort of, it's a really useful technique and strategy I think for just getting yourself mentally into work mode without actually being in work mode which is why you do it on a Sunday and the other thing I do is I also decide what workouts I have time for and I add them to the diary so I follow YouTube workouts at the moment I'm following Caroline Gervan and I add the links to my diary at 6am and it's a great way not only to sort of know what I'm doing but it also means I can track my workouts so if I go back a year in the diary I'm like what workouts was I doing a year ago I was in great shape then I felt really fit then I can go back and say ah I was in the middle of that particular workout program or I was doing Gillian Michaels or I was doing this that and the other if I keep a note of it then it's really good to have those records And it also helps me keep some sort of sense of the progress that I'm making. And I also go to the Times website for the newspaper and I look at articles I would like to make time to read that perhaps I didn't get around to in the week. And I add those links to my diary too, which is also great for commuting or when you find yourself with a bit of time between appointments or meetings or just with a bit of downtime. I really highly recommend it. I do the same with podcasts if there's something topical I want to hear from lots of different angles. Recently, there's been a huge story in the news um about the I don't even want to say the name because it's so rancid but um a really high profile uh case um which is just dominated and so I made the point of finding a few podcasts that I really love who cover true crime and thinking right I really want to hear what all of those people have to say about it so I made made the time to listen to those and but because I put the links in my diary and it's nothing rigid. I don't have to do it at a particular time, but I just think, oh, okay, I know that I was, I know that when I was thinking about what I would like to achieve during the week, I knew that I wanted to listen to at least two of those podcasts. So it's just, again, it's just by mentally looking at the week and thinking about where things can slot in. You're not beholden to them. It's not rigid, but you can sort of have it in your mind. And if you ever do find yourself thinking, oh, what do I do? <laughs> not that anyone really thinks that these days, but you think, oh, I want to do that. So that is one of the other things I would say. So those are my strongest tips, but there are so many other little things that can make a huge difference. And a really big piece of maximizing one's morning is to figure out what those tweaks look like for you rather than what works for other people. 
So I've already mentioned that sometimes these morning routines can look quite performative, especially when you try to convey them on a social media platform where your uh, where your medium is imagery or video. But it really is about just tuning into what will work for you. I have a friend who wakes up, throws open the curtains, makes their bed and looks at the sky for five minutes. And that sets them up for the day. No coffee, no nothing. Just They just look at the sky. They just get the light in their eyes and it makes them feel amazing. I have another friend who wakes up, has a cup of tea, reads the headlines, gets in the shower and heads off to work. That's how they steady themselves. They get up, they make the tea. There's a little bit of a process with the tea in that they just have a particular mug and they like to steep it in a certain way, read the headlines, boom, 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 spend 10 minutes doing that, get in the shower and then they're on the they're on the way to the station to get the train. I have another friend who falls out of bed quite literally onto her yoga mat, immediately stretches and then starts sun salutations. And that is the way that she starts her day. And if she doesn't, she feels really odd. And the great thing about your morning routine is that it's yours. If it works for you, it can't be wrong. So if you aren't if you aren't doing anything at the moment in the morning and you always feel like you're sort of racing, this might be something to do because your current morning routine might be fine. And if it's working for you, then please don't take this podcast as a sign that you need to change anything because the chances are you don't. But if you feel as though you could be more productive, if you feel as though your energy levels are flip-flopping through the day, if you never really quite get the kind of restorative sleep you'd like, or you never get to the end of your to-do list, or you always feel like you're chasing your tail, then maybe some of these small tweaks to your morning could be just the ticket. But as much as I have shared what I do in the morning and what I think would work for you, I would love to know what you actually do. Will you, will you please come over to the Facebook group and will you share your morning routines? I've shared a lot of mine, but I would love to know what's been working for you. And if you share in the group, you might just help someone else maximize their day because you might mention something that hasn't even been thought about in this episode and it might help somebody be more productive or just feel a bit brighter any anything that you think would be useful for people to know about with morning routines please come over to the facebook group and share the link to join the facebook group is in the show notes i will link to everything that i've spoken to and i will also share a little bit more in the facebook group if you want me to when this episode goes live but i think we are we've been together for a while now if you're a long time listener and productivity and maximizing efficiency whilst also not being really hard on ourselves is something that we we're all trying to achieve from the conversations that I have with you on DMs and in the Facebook group and on Instagram that seems to be where we are with each other and so hopefully what this will do is it will give you options without making your life harder harder hopefully it will make your life a lot easier that is my hope but if there is something in here that you think is missing the best way to let me and other listeners of the show know is to pop your thoughts and feelings in the Facebook group so please 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 don't be shy please do come over to the Facebook group and share your thoughts and feelings on morning routines because I would love to hear from you so Facebook group is one way to get in touch with me if you want to send me an email it's the beautypodcast at gmail.com if you want to dm me on instagram and threads i'm at emma guns i'm also at emma guns on what used to be twitter and is now x um but yeah facebook group is where we really are doing all of our discussioning so please do come over there um i really hope that you've enjoyed this episode i hope that you found it useful i genuinely can't wait to hear your thoughts and feelings and learn about your morning routines in the facebook group so please stick over there and join but in the meantime thank you so much for your time i will see you on the next one 
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.